Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pardon My Clarity podcast. I'm your host, John Maskey, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different than what I had planned, but that's because I feel that something else has come up that is in keeping with the line of the episodes we've done so far, but I feel is more of a pressing need than maybe... Uh, what I had originally planned for episode four, which was um, prescriptional scripture and descriptive scripture and the differences. We'll certainly do that uh, episode later on, but I believe today I want to take an opportunity to discuss our purpose, why we were made, what God's plan is for us, why we are still on this earth as Christians kind of shooting from the hip here. This episode will not be as long as the others, but I wanted to touch on this because it's something that I have struggled with, wrestled with, thought about on and off since I was 15 years old. When I was 15, I wanted to write a novel, right? A Christian novel about a young guy who was a high school student who drove a Jaguar and had all his life together and needed something more, wanted something more from the Lord. And as most teenage written novels go, they will never be seen by anyone else, nor should they be. Nor should this one be. I think I got two chapters in and was every time I read it, it just got cringier and cringier. (laughs) Um, Basically, I played out a scenario where this kid was he had it all together. He's a high school student. He's got a nice car. got a beautiful girlfriend. He's got all his things in order. He's got a great family. But he wants another level with his Lord and Savior, right? He wants to take it to the next level. So he goes to his spiritual counsel, his uh, youth pastor, and he asks him what's his purpose in life. Like, what's, what's the whole thing about? What is this Christian life really all about? And his youth pastor, in my 15-year-old novel, Um, begins to describe to him how he was created to glorify God. That was his purpose on earth. But now, since the New Testament, his purpose has changed. And that's where I stopped writing the novel, because it didn't sound right to me. Um, Again, I'm 15 years old. Theologically, as deep as a teaspoon of water. Um... So I look back and I give myself a lot of grace, but I do remember that moment so distinctly because it has stayed with me 15 years later, 16 years later, as I begin to understand fully for the first time why Jonathan Maskey was created, why I was put on this earth. I remember hearing throughout the course of my life, different times preachers or teachers would use the phrase, our purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission. And we know this for several reasons, one of them being, and then they would give this example. For instance, why would God keep us on this earth and not just take us straight to heaven? Once we got saved, why would he leave us here on the earth if not to reach the lost? Because we have a purpose. Otherwise, as soon as we got saved, boop, we would just 
fly away, float away into heaven, evaporate, or just appear with the Lord, right? What would be the point of staying on this earth? Our purpose, way beyond our mandate or mission, our reason for existing is, in fact, to work for God and to recruit others and witness to others and see souls saved. That is our purpose. So, with that ideology, with that belief in mind, I ventured into adulthood as a Christian young man full of optimism and ready to serve, a soldier ready to do battle for his commander, a worker bee ready to do action and fulfill the Great Commission for his master. By the way, I'm not knocking the Great Commission at all. It is biblical. We've gone over this. The problem for me became I didn't do the Great Commission well. I don't get me wrong, I'd go soul winning every week. I would I would witness even when the added weight of responsibility concerning marriage and children and all the other responsibility that full-time ministry brings, I still found time to go soul winning, to evangelize, to talk to people during non-soul winning hours. I took time to share the gospel. But it was from a place of mandate. It was from a place of order. It was from a place of commanding. It was orders from the general that I was carrying out, and like a good soldier, I pressed on through the hard times, though it felt many times disingenuous, weak, and failure-ridden, really. I, I didn't feel like I had much success. And I felt that success was determined by how many people said the sinner's prayer with me. Failure was when I would spend an hour knocking doors, and though people would answer and speak to me, if it did not end with a sinner's prayer, then the time was not well spent. And if I didn't arrive back to the meeting or the church without two or three or even one person that I could hold up and say, this person was led to Christ by me and that makes it a good day. That makes it success. That bled over into if my whole existence is simply to serve, then I dare not cease from serving because then what's the point of keeping me around? Why would God put up with me? What use would he have for me if I couldn't witness? I also began to notice other Christians who professed love and were clearly godly people. They just had a heart for the Lord that was the evidence, the fruits of the Spirit evident in their life. Love, joy, peace, contentment, etc., etc. And I noticed some of these people were in their 70s and 80s and they didn't go soul winning at all. And I wrestled with that because how can someone be right with God and not be door knocking? 
How can someone be in the will of God and not be running a bus route? How can someone be on the approved list of the Lord and not be aggressively evangelizing on a weekly or even daily basis? And I knew this wasn't me. My time was filled up with other responsibilities and work. And my free time, I tried to parcel out somewhat miserably, but I tried to parcel out for my family and for myself and hobbies and friends and spending time with my children and my wife and the other responsibilities that come with full-time Christian service. And I realized the ratios were way off for me. I just didn't spend a whole lot of time out sewing. And if the purpose of a Christian, the whole reason for their existence is simply to witness, then I would wake as early as possible. Then I should wake as early as possible and evangelize as long as I had breath in the day and then collapse asleep only to repeat the cycle the next day. That would, in fact, be the ultimate way to please my Lord and Savior, would it not? If my job is to work for Him, if my purpose for living is to work for the Master, and that is my sole purpose, then the person who works the most is closest to the Master. The Master is most pleased with those who do the most work that line of logic would lead. And I just felt like that didn't encapsulate the Bible, the God that I was reading about in the Bible. I just, I don't, I didn't see that. I saw times when the Lord would bless those who abstained from work to work on their relationship with the Lord. Now, I know this isn't a scripture-ridden episode, and no doubt, I will follow this up with one that does provide scripture. But as I've begun to understand who Jesus is to me, and me personally, as I have had to confront my view of God in its inconsistencies and its misconceptions, as I have had the scales removed, if you will, from my eyes concerning the way God the Father sees me. I have learned that He is a God of love. And it is His love that drives Him to us. And it is His love that will in turn drive us to Him. We love Him because He first loved us. So, with this new to me revelation, I have begun to search scripture and it has become such a joy to understand that my Father God loves me whether or not I do the work he has commissioned me to do. That is not an attack against the commands he has given me to do. That is not permissing laziness or slothfulness or inaction concerning the commands of our Lord, because there are commands. I'm not arguing that point. I'm not standing against that point. 
but I believe in the absolute haste and fervor to cause Christians to commit to the Great Commission, we have muddied the waters between service and sonship. I am my father's son, whether I stand in his presence or I eat with pigs, whether I live frivolously and waste my inheritance in rebellion and open sin, or whether I stay home as the good son did, the obedient son, whether I knock 50 doors a weekend, or I only had the chance to talk to the cashier this week. My father loves me the same. His love for me does not change. Now, my relationship with him will be better as I please him with my effort, as I please him with my, with my work, as I please him with every breath. But that is the goal. Every breath is glory to Yahweh. Everything I do, I do for him. Not to please him because I'm afraid of his anger, but to please him because I understand his fervent, effectual love toward me. His uncomprehendable, stupendous love. A love that broke the chains of addiction off of my soul when I was unworthy. A love that held me when I pushed away, when I writhed and shook off his embrace, scoffed in the face of his forgiveness, and denied his compassion to me. That kind of love I wish to know deeper. That kind of love is worth serving. I don't serve a commander-in-chief. I don't serve a tyrant god. I don't serve a vengeful deity on some faraway dimension whose only love for me comes because his son paid the price for my sin. He loved me, so he sent his son. He does not love me simply because his son died for me. That thought humbles me, and yes, it motivates me. It motivates me to do the work. It motivates me to move forward. It encourages me. It blesses me. It's, it just spurs me to action. It, 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 it compels me to tell others. I want to tell others about that love. I heard my pastor say recently, someone, unfortunately, most Christians are probably capable of convincing an atheist that God exists, but they would have a hard time convincing an atheist that God loves them. That's a, I had to sit back and chew on that one. How sad that is. If you can 
prove to someone the existence of God, but you can't prove that God loves them because you haven't really experienced true love with your father. Because it's not a relationship, it's a work contract. Salvation is not enlistment as much as it is a relationship. It's adoption. It's new birth. It's regeneration. It's ultimate love. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. Yes, God can be disappointed in our actions. Yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Yes, all of those things. But God didn't create Adam to be a worker bee. He didn't create us to become drones or recruiters. He created us in his image for his glory. And he loves us unconditionally. If I begin my Christian walk with that understanding, from that place of love, I am a lethal force against the kingdom of darkness, and I will evangelize like never before. I will charge hell with a squirt gun, as we've all heard people say, like never before, because I'm not serving from duty, I'm serving from love. I don't want to serve based on duty when the option to love is present. If I can serve from love, I, I, I'll take that any day of the week. I would like to hope that I would sacrifice my life in an active shooter situation for someone else's child. But I 100% promise you I will dive into harm's way for my own children because I love them. I don't love them because of how they behave. I don't love them because of the way they treat me. I love them because I love them. And ultimately I love them because Christ loves them and he loves me and he has taught me love. He has given me the capacity to love. wanted to share that. I don't know if this will help anybody, but it's revolutionized my walk with the Lord. I read my Bible from a place of love. I spend time in prayer from a place of love. I speak to others about the Lord from a place of love where I did not before. And I know there are many out there that have served the Lord for decades and you've knocked the doors and you've run the routes and you've evangelized and you've witnessed to the waitresses and the attendees at the gas station and the homeless people and the austere and the well-to-do and the bus kids. You've, you've shared the gospel for decades from a place of love and duty. And I say amen to that. But don't forget, if you took all of that away, your father still loves you. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to clarify my position and to share my heart with you. This will be a bonus episode, if you will. I'll just throw it in there. Hopefully it was a help to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. God bless.